Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I'm excited to have Eric Hanna join us. Eric is currently a subject matter seller at Rubric, where he came, I believe he came in through an acquisition and is based in Boston. Uh, one of the objectives of, of this podcast is really to give listeners an opportunity to learn from some of the best reps that have really crushed it in this space. And I'm I'm always excited when I can book someone like Eric, who's been a number one rep. In addition, he's also co-founded Amplified Team Training that does team and sales training. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, Eric, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the invitation. So um, can you give us a little bit more background about who you are, what you do? Yeah. So I've been in tech sales for 16 years now. I started at EMC right out of college. You know, I've heard in, in previous conversations, the common theme of your network is your net worth. And, uh, and that got me into the industry. I had the opportunity through my network to interview, get my foot in the door, and as my network has told me, like, hey, you kicked it in. You went in there and you applied your skills. So I uh, I sold at EMC for about five years uh, to start my career. And then the short story is I've done about five startups since then over the past 11 years, 11 plus years, where I've gone and, and built early stage tech startups as a seller from zero million to anywhere from three to 75, 100 million in, in annual revenue. And some of those, a majority of those have been acquired. I've been with one that has gone under, you know, that, that where you showed up and they closed the doors on us. But it's been a, it's been an exciting and educational ride. And the, the tech industry has been very good to me. And I feel like I've, I'm trying to be very good to it, right? And, and helping my customers solve some, some major problems. Well, um, that's interesting. A number of my previous guests, uh, a decent number of them have worked at bigger companies. And you've gone down that startup route. Mm -hmm. But you've also had the opportunity of starting with a really big company, EMC. So talk to me a little bit about the difference of, of going from uh, you know, working for an established EMC to you know going through those different startups and going from zero to wherever they went. Oh, I, where do you want to start? Uh, it's 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 such a different world, you know. And, and EMC is fantastic. It has one of the best training uh, sales training programs uh, for technology. And I was very fortunate. Uh, and you're a very small fish in this massive, massive pond. So when you go to a startup, you're one of few. You're you're one of few fish in in a massive pond. And I would say the biggest difference is, is it's kind of risky. You're exposed. If you don't know what you're doing or you, you, there's a challenge, you have a challenge with the job of selling, that will be that will kind of come to light. But there's also massive reward in it because there's a lot of opportunity to apply what you've learned 
and build your success in these smaller companies. If you close a million dollars in revenue at a new startup, that's the huge impact to a company that's just bringing a product to market. You get this opportunity, or at least I had this opportunity to explore you know, how to sell, how to apply the training principles and practices that I learned into selling a new technology in what ends up being a wildly competitive landscape, right? Nobody, the thing about startup world is nobody knows who your product, your company is. Nobody knows what your product does. So you have to find unique and creative ways, one, to market and prospect and get your name out there. I think that's one of the things I've, I've learned most in the startup world is, is how to differentiate when no one knows who you are. And then two, you gotta, you gotta almost kind of outsell. You gotta be more passionate and, and driven to help your customer uh, and kind of outwork your competition as well. You have to care more. You have to drive the sale better. Yeah. Interesting. So, so can you give us some examples of, you mentioned uh, unique and creative ways to, to get known and get your, get your brand or get your word out there. What are some examples of how you've done that in the past? Oh boy. <laughs> I'll say one thing that the startup world has taught me, it, it teaches you to be pretty, pretty humble and recognize that you may think you have the greatest product on the planet, but nobody cares because nobody knows who you are. Uh, one thing that was very beneficial was kind of jumping on the bandwagon or, or kind of hitching your cart to a wagon that people do, do know. One example. So one of my most successful sales per, uh, sales roles was at Igneous, which uh, was acquired here by Rubrik and, and where I'm at today. But nobody knew who this company of Igneous was. And and I will say Rubrik did a phenomenal job of marketing. A lot, they were making a huge splash in, in the market. And in a way, I did compete against them because they had a product that competed directly against me. And you know, I kind of had to swallow that pride pill and say, Hey, you know, and I, I spun my message to be like, we're a good addition to a rubric or to another backup company that I directly competed against. Things that people knew. And what I was trying to do was put myself in that recipient's seat to say, well, I don't know who the heck Igneous is. I've never heard of them. But I do know Rubric, or I do know some other company that, that is more well-known, or in fact, I've even bought them. So that's intriguing. If you're telling me you're a really good add-on or complement to this technology, I'm curious. And that opened a lot of doors for me when they were like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your company is. But the fact that you said you're a good tie-in or fit with this other product is pretty compelling to to respond and, and take a meeting. That's interesting. So it's accelerating kind of the relevance to their environment, giving them some perspective to kind of fast track their understanding. Yeah. In a way, paying homage to your competition saying, yeah, these guys are bigger, uh, maybe have more market share and you don't know who I am, but we have a good product that ties in with what they do. And that kind of gets the prospect intrigued to say like, oh, I want to learn more now about what you do. Most people don't want to learn about a new technology based on speeds and feeds, but strategically, you know, how it aligns with, you're right, something that I bought or an existing part of my environment, that's, that, that's where there's, uh, that's where I got a lot of responses and it didn't matter what our company name was that nobody knew. It was like, I want to know how 
what you said about how this technology complements this technology. That's interesting. Well, so um, going into the startup world, right, I, I'm sure there might be some listeners out there that, you know, maybe they're thinking about making that jump. A lot of people are hiring right now. I, you know, it takes a certain mindset, certain skill set to really, like you said, you've got you've got to be able to, uh, you're going to be more exposed, but you also have some pretty high upside and you're going to have to be able to run somewhat independently. If you were going back or maybe self-assessing yourself or maybe talking to a rep that was thinking about making that move, what were, what would be uh, some advice or maybe some kind of self-assessment questions that rep might want to ask themselves before making that jump? Um, great question. I think one of the first one that comes to mind is, are you ready to wear multiple hats, right? Are you ready to do both part of the marketing piece, part, you know, the, the prospecting efforts, the, and really it's a grind. The startup world is a grind. You do wear a lot of hats. Sometimes you're, you're, customer support even, or you have to, you know, it's, you have to quarterback more than just the sales campaign. And you have to get creative, like more on the marketing side to inspire and break down barriers to, to meetings and opportunities. So that would be the, the first thing and be ready to be extremely persistent. Right. That, that from a startup perspective world is, well, I think a lot of sellers, they may not get the meeting and kind of move on to the next thing. Some of the biggest and best deals I've ever done, I've got the door shut on my, you know, shut on me three or four times over a year, year and a half. And then finally in the door through persistence um, and in trying to be more tactical. So it challenges you in a way. What I really like about it is it challenges you to think further outside the box as a seller and and just as an overall business professional, right? Because it's you become more of a go-to-market player with a, a focus of getting the sales campaign and then driving that sales campaign to a close. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I worked for a startup once many, many years ago, but you're you were so much more plugged into all the different functions of the business. And they're looking to the sales field for feedback and one of the things I've actually learned, and I've seen some people do this really well, is let's say you didn't go to a startup, but and you're with a bigger company, you know, listen, EMC or whatever, you can still take some of that startup mentality and really enhance your career, right? Instead of just sitting back and waiting for product management to tell you what to do, marketing to tell you what to do, jump in and try to drive them. You know, they're they're gonna move until somebody tells them they need to move in another direction. Be that somebody. To give them that feedback and that direction and that insight, you know, connecting them up with your customers. Um, they find it totally valuable. And by the way, you're, you're raising your brand and your stock within that company at the same time. That's a great point. I will say being engaged in the startup world, I've met some amazing leaders and investors, like the exposure you have to the business and the influence you have into the direction and watching a company pivot quicker is great, but it's in, there's a, a reward for that, but it also is, you know, fast paced, move, you know, fast moving. And you have to pivot as a seller too, as quickly as a business does. And you're typically influencing that, but the exposure I've had to wonderful CEOs in a, a C-suite that you're influencing as the front lines is great exposure. My my first startup, I I kind of fell into by dumb luck. Actually, it was one, well, 
it was one of my EMC counterparts invited me to sit down with a VP and I really liked the VP I sat with and he said, come build this thing. We're going to, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and good sales guy. I learned so much from him. I followed him to the next startup after about a year and a half, two years. Then we got bought by NetApp and I followed him to the next startup where a year later we went under, but it was the network that I made with him and the executive leadership and the investors where I felt comfortable and confident to reach out to you know one of the investors at Charles River Ventures at the time who was invested in one of the startups. And I said, here's my background. Here's my resume. Here's what I've done with in my career so far. He put me in touch with you know three people that led to my next job. I won't say career, but job. And that was a five-year run bringing a startup from zero to 75 million. And that was really, really exciting for me. That was one of like kind of the bigger success that that I had in the startup world. Yeah. That sounds like a fun run. Well, so shifting gears a little bit. So let's, let's get down into kind of the nitty gritty of selling. If you, so you're, you're also doing some sales training, as you mentioned, uh, or as I mentioned in the, uh, the opening, when you think about your own sales career, maybe some of the training that you do with other companies, what is one thing if you had to pick just, and I know this is hard, but if you had to pick just one thing that's, that high tech sales reps could get better at and do more of uh, to really excel their career, what would that one thing be? Empathy. Yeah. Being uh, not just being able to understand the customer uh, to, to such a thorough point that the solution is crystal clear and almost sells itself. I also say empathy because underneath empathy or in order to be empathetic, you have to be curious, you have to ask questions, and you have to listen and understand. So there are kind of three subcategories under empathy that they kind of drive the reason for that. But that would be strengthening empathy and understanding of customers. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing, as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later, well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, there's all the mechanical stuff that we do as a sales rep, but none of it really matters if you're not empathetic, if you're not listening. I, I recently, actually, I think I have a podcast, a single episode coming out on asking great questions. And part of asking great questions is listening to those great questions, right? And then asking follow-up questions. And um, we're all guilty of this, but so many times I see reps go in with an agenda of, they want to ask a question because they want to get to a very specific end point. But hey, maybe the customer's not going down that same path. And you'll never get to that end point if you don't slow down, back up, listen, and kind of go on their journey with them. The other uh, the other thing that um, I, uh, I've seen quite a bit is, you know, the reps asking the question, but then answering it before, you know, they really have given the customer a chance to answer it. Well, oh, you my know, goodness. Such a pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Tee it up. No, no worries. 
Well, what, uh, you know, from, a, you know, an empathy question perspective, you know, do you have a favorite question that you like to ask when you're doing your discovery? I'll say this, you know, I think you just made a really great point about empathy that I want to reiterate. And I, I want to, if that may be more my answer to, to kind of this question and it's asking the right follow-up question. And are you paying attention to ask the appropriate follow-up? Two things. I, I've, as I've sold more and more, and my career has expanded for 15 plus years now, um, I've become very interested in psychology. And there's a, there's a psychologist, a gentleman, John Gottman, uh, who does a lot of relationship psychology. And one of the things that he says about marital relationships is, you know, a lot of a lot of significant others, they'll, they'll fight and, and they'll, they'll get into a d- dispute before they can really understand the other person's point of view. And one of his his major advices for couples and counseling is, can you articulate to your partner's satisfaction what the issue is before you start to rebut or you know, make your case, right? Can you articulate it to the other person's satisfaction? And I found that fascinating. It's something I've kind of taken with me in sales is like, can you articulate the customer's pain, the value they're looking for to their um, satisfaction before you even present your solution, right? And empathy and asking the follow-up questions is important. Like, it's not just asking the right questions. It's when you hear the response, if there's something you don't understand in that response, or there's more to be understood as far as the customer pain or the business value or the personal value that they have within, you know, dig further. And as you dig further, you're going to be able to articulate that. We say in the sales training that we do for Amplified, we base all of our training, whether it's leadership training, sales training, whatever, on improvisation comedy. And improvisation comedy is the backbone of it is this yes and mindset where it's responding to your partner, be it any relationship, buyer, seller in this case, and being able to uh, understand them, support them, dig a little bit deeper. We always say if a salesperson just shows up and throws up, that's a common saying, or, you know, they just blow through their questions like a checklist and they're not listening, there's opportunity in the response. There's not opportunity in the question. And so are you hearing that response and are you digging a little bit deeper? And and the skills of improv teach sellers to be better active listeners and not miss those opportunities in their client responses. So that's something that that's something that's really helped me in my career. Yeah, I just wrote that down. Opportunity in the response, not the question. It's such a great point. Yeah, I've been uh, on a lot of ride-alongs, and you know, we're we're excited, right? We're out there selling something, and you know, you hear what you were looking for, and now all of a sudden you're moving on into the product positioning portion of your your pitch. But once you've made that leap, you never, it's hard to get back to that opportunity of having that open discussion, that question, the, the response. That is your time to really connect, discover, build, you know, build more insight, get all that intelligence that you're looking for. Once you've moved into the product pitch, you're done. I mean, you, you know, maybe you've got something right there, but it could, maybe it could be so much bigger if you had uh, just held back a little bit longer. So talk to me about this, your, uh, your training company. What do you, uh, what do you do? 
Yeah. So we, we train corporate teams, anything from like C-suite uh, teams to uh, mid-level management teams. We do training on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sales and marketing is one of the most popular things we do. But we take the concept of, of improvisation comedy in this mindset of yes and. And we go in, we work with teams anywhere from you know 15 people to 500. We've actually done a thousand. Um, and we really try to understand our customers' goals as far as like, what is it we're trying to accomplish as an outcome? And then we build a customized curriculum. We have, I don't know how many hours, like 250 exercises. And each exercise is applicable to some sort of goal, whether it's working together better as a team, understanding my teammates, uh, being a seller, going through a sales process with a client, whether it's customer success, you know, supporting customers from a post-sale. If it's a C-suite, my favorite thing to do is the, C, is the C-suite. As much as sales and, and marketing is always fun or training sellers on engaging with customers and doing improvisation applied exercises, doing the C-suite's great because you learn so much about really how the company is being led and how that team works together and also how that team works with their people. But we put together anywhere from, you know, one hour virtual sessions because of COVID. We've, we've pivoted and, and done a lot of uh, virtual sessions. We have a few upcoming in-person sessions, which is exciting uh, to train up. We have a 75 person one coming up in March and uh, we'll spend half a day with teams going through in-person exercises to achieve a goal of better teamwork, better collaboration, better overall employee happiness, or when it comes to sales and marketing, better output, right? Better, better, higher revenues for, for per rep because we're building the skill set of listen, active listening, identifying opportunities better than just going through a skit. And that's the thing. What's interesting about, you know, the quick, quick thing I want to say on like improv as the applied training for sales, every seller almost has, you know, you hear sales script or sales playbook and you get really, really good at that playbook. I think, well, actually, I know for a fact we've gone in and done sales trainings for companies where, you know, 50 sellers across the country, they know the pitch down packed. They don't know how to ask the follow-up question. They don't know how to listen and go off script improvise a little bit for the sake of understanding the customer and that's where opportunities are lost and that's a that's a big thing um that we see a ton is like we nailed the script we nailed the pitch but it's not relevant to every conversation that we're having because our customers take us somewhere and we just don't know how to navigate with them and that's a that's a really hard skill to uh to have and develop yeah, I was going to ask you, and you answered the question, you know, how does improv acting apply to, you know, selling? But so I, what I hear you saying is it's learning how to think in your feet and adapt and adjust and kind of flow with uh, whatever that customer is giving you. How do you turn that around and keep it going? Exactly. Yeah. It's how do you actively listen? It's almost like, how do you forget what you know and put aside what you want to say next? And actively listen to what the person's telling you, dig a little bit deeper, and then shift your mindset and say, okay, now that I've exhausted it and fully understood this line of questioning, what's next in my playbook, right? I've gone off script. Now I know the script in the back of my head. 
So let's go back to the script. And what's the next question to ask? What's the next part of the sales process that is appropriate? And I think at the end of the day, the overarching theme is most salespeople accelerate way too fast through the sales campaign. And sometimes there's customer pressure to do so. You know, they want us to show up on the phone and tell me what you do. It's really hard to tell a customer, like, it's kind of a waste of time to do that, right? I, it's it's hard for a, a seller to say, I don't feel comfortable telling, like, positioning our product with you when I have no idea what you're trying to solve or, or what the pain point is or what it means to the business to do so. And, and, and that's, you know, that is challenging sometimes, especially in the tech space. But it, but there's uh, there's that skill of building that confidence of being able to go off script and come back on script and 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 be fluid with that. How important is having strong product knowledge and script knowledge? How important is that to be able to enable that ability to go off script? I think it's important to know the product capabilities. And more, but maybe more importantly, is the value that is applied to both maybe the IT staff if we're selling technology, to the, to the person on the phone, and to the overarching business, right? To the, 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 if we're pitching to the champion and they need to bring it to the economic buyer and, and financial approver, there's going to be more than just the value to the technology or the value to this person. So, from a playbook perspective, understanding how does my product solve business problems and maybe financial problems and what it means to the people I'm talking to. That's the most important thing to be able to have that ability to go on on script and off script. Most of us in technology have a technical sidekick, a solution engineer, somebody to answer those questions. The best sales campaigns, I believe, you don't need a technical person on a first call. You shouldn't. I think it hurts you because, as a seller because you need that room to have the conversation to dig into why are we having this conversation? And at the end, what is going to Im- improve for the business? What's going to improve in your life? And how does it impact financials for your organization? And maybe a little bit more. But um, So I think it's more... How does the product value apply to your customers? That's the most important thing. You know, and I think, um, yeah, and I, I agree with all of that. And I, I think having that that preparation in advance, having that knowledge gives you a little bit of that comfort to let the conversation go where it may. And then, you know, having that knowledge allows you to figure out where you can start to stitch in, you know, value based on what you do. So they definitely go hand in hand. Well, hey, Eric, as we start to wrap it up, um, I, I'm curious, uh, you know, what do you do? Is there anything that you do to, to give back um, something that you're passionate or, or you feel strongly about? You know, I, I've done a few things that meant a lot to me. So when I got in the startup world, one the first thing I started to do, I joined Big Brother, Big Sister, Mass, Mass Bay. And uh, I've had a little brother for years and to be a mentor, to provide advice and guidance and, and really just kind of be a, a a role model. I, I think relationships are the most important thing in the world, really, at the end of the day. Making money is great. Having a roof over your head is great. Giving back in, in a way of relationships is very key for me. And I, in what was really exciting about starting Amplified as a corporate training business, that's something that we're in control of, of how we can give back and something we do 
is we'll do a, a, a bit of pro bono work, if you will. We've helped teachers, right? Better have a mindset of working with kids that teaches patience and, and listening and, and also, you know, within the school system itself, dealing with administration and, and them working as a team. We've done it for kids. We've done it for students. We've done improv training for high school students where things like both. Yeah. Where things like bullying and uh, it's so hard. I mean, I can't, it's hard. It's a lot harder. I think every generation gets harder with like growing up and, and the pressures and social media doesn't help. And, really reinforcing the benefit of human interaction through our corporate training. That's really, you know, one, it's great to do as a, as a business and for profit for, for corporations. We are finding multiple ways to give back. We're doing a, we're doing a a uh, talking with, we've done a training with, uh, it was a BC Austin college and they do this entrepreneurial program for uh, formerly incarcerated citizens. And so we go in and have done training uh, with them as well. So there's a lot of a lot of cool things that we get involved with in the corporate training world to to get back. Yeah, well, it sounds like you have, you have a lot going on. Some really really great stuff. Hey, do me a favor. So go do pro bono training for every high school kid out there. Teach them how to sell. Let's go build up the funnel of great salespeople. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That, uh, I, I don't know if we'll train them. Well, we'll, we'll try to, but they they all may go find their own path. But yes, absolutely. We, we definitely could always use more good, great sellers. Yeah. Even if you're not in the industry, even if you're not taking it on as a career, right? I mean, it's such an incredible skill to have. So, well, so Eric, if uh, if a listener would like to get hold of you, how can they reach out? Uh, best way to reach out is actually LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. It's Eric Hanna. Uh, the spelling will be on the podcast and, and located in Boston. So you'll see my picture up there, but feel free to send a connection request. And if you're, if there's something that, want to chat about i'm always open for about a 15 to 30 minute conversation depending on what folks want to discuss but yeah it's uh that would be the best way and and there, we can connect further from there too okay well before we wrap it up is there anything else you, that you would like to share uh not really no i really i mean i really appreciate the the time and, and i'm really honored to to join you on your podcast and i appreciate the recommendation from uh from my former executive leader. So uh, and I wish you all the best of luck, Chris, on this podcast. I, I really enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Oh, well, thank you. Hey, pleasure is all mine. Um, Eric, thanks again. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. You too. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.